This is the Iowa State Athletics SciCast. Hi everybody, I'm John Walters. Today's SciCast is with Cyclone football player Mitchell Myers. Mitchell has inspired his teammates and really anybody who knows him with an incredibly positive attitude as he has battled Hodgkin's disease. Two bouts of chemotherapy, a very trying stem cell transplant, radiation, and now a return to Cyclone football. We hope you'll enjoy our visit with Mitchell Myers. Well, Mitchell, just starting off, a lot of us are pretty familiar with your story, but a lot of the people listening today maybe don't know the details. So can you kind of take me back to just kind of when you first started sensing that something was wrong and just kind of take me through the timeline of how we got to today. I think the timeline is confusing for a lot of people just because once I went back to Houston, I wasn't in contact with the media and I think that's where the confusion kind of starts. But uh, starting from the beginning, so February of 2015, my neck was swollen. I went to the trainers. My head felt like it was a lot of pressure in my head while I was working out. And so I went to the trainers and they referred me to the doctor, Dr. Shulman, and took a photo of my chest. And there was a bunch of swollen lymph nodes in my chest. And so that's when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, February 2015. And then I did six months of chemo while I was in Ames. I was lucky enough that the chemo didn't have too much of an effect on me, if anything. And so I was able to do the workouts and have a little bit of normalcy. And so I finished up chemo here late July. And then I went back to Houston and I was going to get radiation treatment, but they were only going to do radiation if the cancer was gone. It's more of a preventative measure to make sure it doesn't come back. And prior to that, I had a scan and there was still persistent disease there. So I ended up not having radiation and I did a couple more cycles of a different type of chemo to get the cancer into remission. And once it was in remission, this was about mid-December, I had a stem cell transplant, which is another measure to make sure it doesn't come back. It's the protocol step for refractory Hodgkin's lymphoma, which means it didn't go away with the first line of treatment. So I ended up doing the stem cell transplant. I got finished up in early January and I had another scan which showed the cancer was still in remission. And so that's when I moved forward with radiation, still in Houston. And that took about four weeks. It started in February, finished in March. And after that is when I came back to Ames and started working out again. So that brings us up to today, but I want to go back into your timeline a little bit. When you first went through your first batch of chemo here in Ames, you continued to work out throughout that entire time. Why was that so important? I definitely didn't want to feel like I wasn't included or I was feeling sorry for myself because I was going through cancer treatments. And like I said, I was lucky enough to not be affected too bad by the chemo. If I was able to work out, there was no excuse for me not to. It was a sense of normalcy. I could be with my teammates. Both my roommates, obviously, were on the football team. And so I wanted to do what everybody else was doing. And if anything, it kept me in shape. I didn't really lose too much weight, kept my strength up through that process. So there really wasn't much of a choice. I just felt like I needed to do it. Having been part of a team, how much did that help during that process? And 
and to think of you know guys like Levi and Luke being by your side all the time, just having a support team like that around you right here in Ames, how much did that help? It definitely helped, and I think sometimes being a part of a team, you take it for granted because obviously we've all been on teams through high school and college, and you never you never take a step back and realize that these teams were like brothers. When I was diagnosed with cancer, Luke was there every single day. Grant was there every single day. They were my roommates. And I mean, they didn't have to do anything. They could just treat me like a normal person. Same with all the rest of my teammates. And to know that you have 130 guys who care about you and care about your well-being, it really helped through this whole process. And so many of those guys were in the hospital when you rang the bell, when you had your final chemo treatment in Ames. Obviously, now as you look back at that day, it's kind of bittersweet to know that uh, what what an exciting time that was at the moment, but then there would be a setback. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people have seen that video just coming out and having a, have me ringing the bell and having everybody there. It was definitely a surprise that wasn't planned. Uh, it meant a lot to me. But even on that day, I knew in the back of my head that the cancer had never disappeared even on that day. And so I knew that there was a chance that if when I went back to Houston and had the scan, that there would still be cancer there. Obviously, I was thinking of the best case scenario, which it would have been gone and smooth sailing. So there was actually a bell after I was done with radiation that they asked if I wanted to ring and I turned them down. I said, nope, it's bad luck. <laughs> well, you have been incredibly resilient through all these steps. Uh, how have you kind of fought through it? What's been the, the, the motivation for you to continue to uh, keep a positive attitude through everything? Well, I really don't think you have a choice. Um, I told Grant this. He asked me about it, and I think he actually gave a speech about it at his graduation. Being positive during this time was the only thing I could control. I couldn't control if the cancer was there or not. I couldn't control how I felt with the treatments. The only thing I can control was my attitude. And so from my perspective, there was no choice. I was going to be positive. I was going to have a positive outlook because that's the only thing I could control. At the end of the day, when things were pretty tough, that's really all I had. Being positive helped me through it. It helped me just get through all these treatments and really thinking about coming back and playing football, looking into the future was really beneficial to me as well. Talk about some of the other people that kind of reached out to you that had been through similar experiences, maybe themselves. And I know you got in contact with Eric Berry, Jamie Pollard, I know reached out to you quite a bit. There's, I think, a UNI athlete. Maybe you can refresh my memory on that. But just that seems to be a time when people that have been through something similar want to do something to say, hey, it's going to be okay. Yeah, definitely. Everybody in some way, shape, or form has dealt with cancer, whether it's a family member or themselves. And so when they see somebody else get diagnosed, they want to share their stories and have a positive outlook and kind of share how they got through it themselves. And so it really was beneficial to hear other people's stories. And obviously Eric Berry comes back and has an all pro season. So it really gives me hope just in the football perspective of getting back in shape and like you mentioned, Kate, she's a softball player at UNI. She's out back playing softball still, and she actually had a stem cell transplant as well. Just all these different stories really gives me hope, so it's a good thing. Why keep playing football? I think for me, when I was back in Houston, 
I knew that once I got back to Ames and started playing football again, I knew that all of the other stuff was going to be in the past. I'm in bonus time now. I I didn't know if I'd be able to play football. And like I said before, if I'm able to, I'm going to. Just having this outlook and knowing that I'm back with the team, I'm back in Ames, I wouldn't have asked for anything else. And like I said, if I'm able to play, I'm going to play. There's no excuse for me not to. What did it mean to you to get a call from Matt Campbell right after he took the job at Iowa State? It meant a lot. I think some people were telling me I was his first call, which I had no idea. The conversation was brief. We He introduced himself to me. I introduced myself to him. I tried to put myself in his shoes a little bit. I don't really know what the protocol would be for a coach coming into a new program and one of their players is dealing with a cancer diagnosis. And that's kind of what I've dealt with this whole time is just weighing people's reactions. So I was kind of curious to see how he would handle it. And... It was seamless. Since the first call until now, everything I've been going through since I've been back in Ames, he's been there every step of the way, and it's uh, really helping me get back into where I need to be to play football this season. You know, you seem like such a perfect fit for him, though, because you have always been a team-first guy. You moved inside to defensive tackle when the team needed that. Even though you knew you were probably weren't big enough to do it, you did it anyway, team-first. And you just mentioned a minute ago, Attitude is something you can control. Well, that's everything to Coach Campbell, attitude and effort. So it seems to me that you're going to be a good fit for his program. Yeah, I hope so. And attitude and effort, it's not a new thing to me. My dad, growing up, every time I went to him complaining, he said, focus on what you can control. It's attitude and effort. So that's not a new thing for me. Controlling my attitude is all I had during that year. So I think it's a good fit. I think if I can fit into this program, which I think I'll be able to, I'm excited. All the stars are aligning. Well, what's what's next now? I know you're working out again. What's a realistic expectation for you in the fall? It's hard to say. So obviously my expectation is to come in and contribute. I obviously have to earn my spot. No, nothing is going to be given to me. I mean, it's college football. The best player is going to be on the field. And so That's something that I need to realize and I need to get back in shape as fast as I can. That's my number one goal right now is to just keep on trying to get back in shape. Obviously, the summer is just starting, so I think I have some time to do that. And once fall camp starts, we will see. But my expectation is to come in and contribute, especially if I'm in good enough shape. So we'll see. What will it mean to you to put on those pads and come out that tunnel uh, for the first time in a long time, something I know you've really missed. Yeah, we'll see if I still know how to put the pads on. I don't know. It's been since TCU in 2014 is the last time I strapped on the pads, so we'll see. But uh, I can't even imagine. There, I don't know. I can't tell you what the emotions would be like until I go through it. But I think just running out there and not even running out of the tunnel, I think for me running out onto the field – for a defensive series, I can't imagine the emotions of that. So we'll see when I get there, but there's still a long ways to go. Mitchell, it's so great to catch up with you and uh, to see you back here on campus where you belong and and looking great and uh, continued best wishes to you. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be back.